0: You all right? All right. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to share this word that I believe the Lord has put in my heart today. Um, this, this word that I'm gonna share is about a 10-year journey for from me. From me. Um, about 10 years ago, maybe, maybe 12, I was sitting in a church and the, the pastor asked the church to tithe and just some fell off. And obviously I didn't tithe back then and I was like, oh man, like this don't feel right. And for 10 years, something hasn't felt right about that. And so I've been going on this 10-year journey to understand tithing and generosity, not because something didn't feel right about what they were asking, but something didn't feel right. I didn't have the whole picture uh, from the Word of God. And so we're going to go on a journey today about generosity. And here's the thing. If you brought a friend and they're here for the very first time, turn to them and say, Oh, no. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Because here's the reality. By the end of this service, the time that I have with you, the power of God is going to be released over your finances. I wish you would be clapping a little louder. I don't know if you heard what I said. I said the power of God is going to be released over your finances. If you broke, you better be given a shout. Somebody like, hallelujah. Because I I got a most encouraging word, my friend Marvin Winans, he's a a worship leader here. And he said, oh man, the enemy's trying to make you think this is heavy and this is hard. He says, when you are Jesus, Jesus is with you, man. This is easy and it's light. Didn't Jesus say his yoke is easy and his burden is light? So he spoke that over me and so I'm telling you, the power of God is gonna be released over your finances and the things that you are gonna have to work so hard for, remember, I'm already preaching i gotta cut this back but remember one of the curses of sin in the beginning is that adam and eve adam would have to sweat harder for what god wanted to just give him easy and so i believe that something's going to break in this church and something's going to break in your life and, and the power of god is going to be released on your abilities to create blessing, not just for your own family, but the families of others. And I would never, ever, ever, ever want a church that's changing light bulbs in the middle of a power outage. How crazy is that? It's a power issue, but we're, we're changing light bulbs. So we're gonna talk about uh, giving and generosity and the power and this journey that a man named Abram went on. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 14 verses 30 through 24. And we're picking up from a battle that Abram had gotten himself in, and you know, some enemies came and took his stuff, and Abram went on a journey to get it back. And um, many people have heard of the concept of tithing, but there's this thing that Bible colleges teach called the, the law of first mention. And what that means is if you really want to study something in the Bible, try to find the place where it is first mentioned in the Bible and that place that it is first mentioned will give you a great revelation and help you interpret all the other times it is mentioned later. What I mean by that, and I'm saying this, is that if you've heard the scripture in Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse and see if I don't open the window, but you have never heard Genesis 14, you will always have a limited understanding of what Malachi 3 actually means. The law of first mention. Maybe search it on your own, Google it, look at the first place it was mentioned in the Bible. And and as always, whatever scriptures I share today, please watch the podcast over, watch the YouTube, Read these scriptures for yourself so God can give you personal revelation from the word. Does that make sense? Genesis 14, verses 13 through 24, it says, a man escaped. So we're picking up in the middle of this battle that Abram got himself in. It says, a man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew, that all the people and the enemy had come and taken everything. It says, now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Escalan, Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he was like, hold up. Wait a minute, a Nate dog just popped in my hand. He called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. I I love leaders, but he didn't call leaders. I, I love volunteers, but he was not gonna be able to get somebody to volunteer for this. When he got himself in a real battle, he relied on the sons that he had raised up in his household. I'm telling you, you will get into some battles that you're not gonna be able to find anybody to volunteer and fight that battle. So come on, especially the older generation, you got some battles that you're gonna need your spiritual sons and your spiritual daughters raised up to help you say, oh, they messing with pops, it's going down. Do you get what I'm saying? 318, says they were. During the night, Abram divided these 318 men to attack them, and he routed them. Abram was old, routing the enemy. I mean, it was a sweep. They didn't stand a chance. This wasn't a back and forth. It was pure domination. I want to speak over your life. The enemy that's come against you, your finances, your family, you're about to route them in this season. I just, I just feel the spirit. <laughs> says, he pursued them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative, Lot, and his possessions. He brought back a Lot and Lot, just balling, like he's winning right now. It says, together with the women and the other people, after Abram returned from defeating Cordillamer and the, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. By the way melchizedek is one of the most mysterious people in all of the bible nobody knows too much about him it's kind of like that weird uncle that shows up at the party that you don't know where he lives you don't know where he stays, you don't know where he works, but he always appears to have money like you know what i'm saying like what do you do you know what i mean like it's just that melchizedek is the guy that nobody knows too much about but we do know he is powerful hebrews 5 says that jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So however, whoever Melchizedek is, he is so legit that Hebrews thousands of years later saying Jesus didn't come from this, he came from Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the first to do what Jesus lives forever to do for us. So I don't know who he is, but he's no joke. And sometimes that's all you need to know about God. I don't know what's going on, but whatever it is, it's about to be good. Don't let your pursuit of details take you out of the goodness of God. I'm just about details where you ain't about goodness in a season sometimes where you're all about details. I don't know, but it's good. Melchizedek, I don't know, but he's good. So many people think Melchizedek was so powerful that for the first five years of Christianity, there was actually this private group of crazy people called the Melchizedekians, and there was like Melchizedekian church And they thought Melchizedek, people were arguing that he was equal to Jesus. That's how powerful this dude was. And so we hear this mysterious high priest named Melchizedek show up in the middle of Abram's victory. The middle of Abram's victory. The Bible says nobody knows where Melchizedek came from, nobody knows where he is going. He's mysterious. And he came out and he brought bread and wine to Abram. There we have the first communion, The first communion ever in Genesis 14. Then it says, and then he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram now finds out how he got the victory. It says, right after that, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Melchizedek did not ask. It was Abram's response once he got the revelation. Of how he got the victory. Didn't no pastor show up and say, this is the part of church. Like wouldn't that be in the church service? This is the moment of service where we honor God with our giving. I can't wait to the day where I can just sit my butt down and people just are responding to revelation. And I I can't wait to the day you don't need me, that your relationship with God and the Word is so powerful, I can't wait to the day you don't need me, where you're just communing with God in such a way you're like, Pastor Julian, I I heard that when I was with God this morning in the presence. I heard everything. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the healthy church, where I'm confirming, not announcing. That's when the church gets healthy, when I'm confirming what God already said to you. Man, I can't wait for that day. It might be today. Amen gave him a tenth. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. So the enemy tried to give Abram more money. Watch what Abram said to the king of Sodom. With raised hand, I've sworn an oath to the Lord God, most high creator of the heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal. Don't try to give me them leather sandals when it's big toe got its own slot. I don't want none of that from you. Don't give me no Italian leather sandals, because if you give me that, you'll never be able to say, you made Abram rich. Enemy shows up and tries to give him more money, and Abram says, I'm cool. Because if I take it from you, you'll be able to say, you put me on. You made me rich, right? There's certain people that, that you shouldn't do business with. Because they'll run around and tell everybody it was them that you got blessed. I'm the one that gave them that production deal. I'm the one that released that film. I'm the one that, no, 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 no. You need to walk away from anybody that would say it was them, because the reality, it's God that brought me to you. You ain't going to be able to say you gave me this opportunity. You ain't going to be able to say I'm the reason that you. He said, no, 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 no. I reject that, because I know what you're going to say. You're going to say you're the one who gave it to me says, I'll accept nothing but what my men have eaten. <laughs> I love that. You know when you bless the food and somebody already ate? <laughs> Lord, bless the food. And what, that French fry he just ate, bless that too. And then share. And the share that belongs to the men who went with me. I'm preaching a message called, Don't Keep Your Nugget. Don't Keep Your Nugget. There's so much arguing over the tithe throughout the church. And certain people say, I don't have to tithe because it's Old Testament, right? And certain people say, you better tithe, and if you don't, God won't bless you. And it's somewhere in the middle of both those theologies. I don't believe it is as black and white. In my 40 hours of Bible study on this, it's a little bit more evolved than that. For example, certain people are tithing, and that's it. God can't ever tell them anything about the other 90% because that's for clothes, shoes, and cars. And then there's some people who aren't tithing at all, and then they don't understand because they believe they've seen it misused. There's so much arguing about the tithe. And, and I want to give us a correct theology about what the tithe is. And the tithe is 10% of your income. And certain people who don't tithe believe that is, it's because it's the Old Testament. And I want to encourage you, that is absolutely true. The tithe is an Old Testament concept. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. You cannot find anywhere in the New Testament where it says this sentence, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Can't find it anywhere, anywhere in the New Testament. If you can, come correct me after service, but I've been looking, I can't find it. So it says this Old Testament concept, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. So the tithe is an Old Testament concept, but you gotta be careful with using that concept as a means to not do it. Why? Because watch, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Old Testament concept, second half. And see if I won't. I love the way God talks. See if I won't. (laughs) I feel like God spent some time in the hood. Like, see if I won't. (laughs) See if I won't. See if I won't. Throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. So for those of you who think tithe is an Old Testament concept, and that's why you don't, you are correct. But for you, the floodgates of heaven being open are also an Old Testament concept. I'm just being real. You can't take out half of it and say it's Old Testament. You gotta take out the whole thing. So listen, I believed for many years the tithe was an Old Testament concept, and so I didn't give. And then I had an Old Testament concept bank account, Old Testament concept blessing, Old Testament concept stewardship, Old Testament concept 87 karot. I said, my whole life is Old Testament. I an Old Testament concept, old trifling, <laughs> dating life. My whole life was Old Testament concept. Just, I'm out here in these streets struggling. <laughs> Can I just be real? My whole life was Old Testament concept. Just out here trying to just function. Like, I don't, it's terrible. It says, I'll pour it out. And it's true, the tithe was not created to be the pinnacle of church generosity. The tithe was created as a law, watch this, to begin the journey for disobedient people to start trusting God again with their finances. So so I wanna release you, you don't have to tithe, you get to. Here's why, Abram tithed before the law was released in response to revelation. So if you're tithing because you feel you have to, please stop. If you're tithing because you know you get to, keep going. Maybe bump that thing up a little bit. Do you get what I'm saying? We're not under the law, we're under grace. You don't have to do nothing. But I'm trying to give you revelation so you say, oh, okay, now watch this, you didn't know this. The tithe is not just 10%, it's the first 10%. The first 10. I want to read you past passage of Scripture, 1 Kings 17, 9 through 16. It says, go at once to Zarephath, this is God talking to Elijah, one of the greatest men of God ever, in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. Man of God, watch this, man of God going to an impoverished widow for provision. That don't make any sense to me at all. You, what, what do you mean you want me to provide? says, I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So watch this. God was able to trust a widow to give to a man of God who God had just sent ravens to provide for. God, what did did, um, Dr. Darius Daniel say now? That God changed the nature of a raven to provide for Elijah. Now he's changing the nature of a broke person. Did you, did you hear what I'm... I'm preaching louder than you clapping. Because somebody's going to get a revelation that God is going to, he's got to change the mindset. The richest people I know have a mindset that's different than what I got. I, I'm not a millionaire because I got a mindset of a thousandaire. It's not just, you get what I'm saying? So he, he spoke to the widow. And Elijah, when he came to the the town gate, a widow there was gathering sticks, and he called her and asked, Elijah said, would you bring me a little water and a jar so I can have a drink? And he says, as she was going to get it, he called and said, and bring me a piece of bread. And the lady stopped. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only got a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Matter of fact, I'm just gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and then die. What? I want you to catch this. Man of God shows up, asks her for water. She must have had plenty of water because she left. But as soon as he asked for the thing that she didn't feel she had enough of, she stopped. See, God sometimes will ask you for the thing you don't feel you have enough of. And for some of you, it's not money, it's time. I ain't got time to be serving at church and helping and doing this and going down to the food pantry. And oh, God says, that's when you stop. You got a lot of money. So, yeah, I give a lot to the church, but your time, none. I'm too busy for that. So God is asking for a t- You might be tithing 10, 20% of your income to the church and God's asking, can I have 10% of your time? Because you've been a little busy for me. So, so when God asked for the one thing she feel like she didn't have enough of, she turned around and says, we about to die. Almost as if saying, God wouldn't ask me for that. I only have enough to last for one more meal and you want Watch what happened. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said but first make me a small loaf of bread from what you have and bring it to me and then make it for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord of the God of Israel says. That jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. I'm speaking that over somebody's life. You do what God tells you to do. Don't do what I tell you to do. But if God tells you to give, not me. No, don't worry about me. But if God tells you to give, you do as what God told you to do. And I speak over your life, the jug won't dry out. The flour keep flowing. Everything you need will come to you in this next season. Says so she went away and did what God told her, but she did it first. So there was food every day, every day for Elijah and for the woman and for the family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word, not her fears, the word. So why did he say, don't be afraid? because the fear is what was withholding. See, the church, I don't want to be a church that speaks to the tithes. I don't need to. I'll speak to the fear. Don't be afraid in Jesus' name. And then out of a place of faith, you'll do what God tells you to do. But still, this story is in the Old Testament. It's still an Old Testament concept. So if you've heard that, that's true. I wanna put this on the screen for you. If you are a tithing Christian, you are living in the Old Testament. However, if you are a radical, sold out, completely surrendered, going anywhere God asks you, give any amount God tells you, give everything you own to God-type person who considers everything else in your life worthless, including money, when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ, you are a New Testament Christian. See, the Old Testament, they gave a tenth. The New Testament, they gave all. Any church that's talking about the tithe is going easy on you. Because how many, I'd rather give a 10th than all. God, please don't make me sell my flat screen TV to help you pay your rent. Lord, please, how am I going to watch Netflix? How am I going to watch, please don't ask me to do that. Here you go, Lord, 10%. Don't show up to my house asking me to sell my car to help you, that's what they were doing in the New Testament. You know somebody died in the New Testament for giving more than a tithe, but it wasn't everything? The New Testament is tough. See, the tithe is the beginning of a journey to direct a disobedient person back to trusting God with their finances. The tithe is not the point. The trust is the point. Does that make sense? Okay, watch this. I'm, I'm about to help you guys out. I told you the power of God is about to come over you in about 16 minutes and 15, 57 seconds. But first, we gotta take a quick drive through Abram's life to discover what tithing and generosity is all about. Sometimes when you want some nuggets, you gotta pull in the drive-through. I know you, you're short, on time you got brunch, we're about to pull in the drive-through of Abram's life. Ready? Genesis chapter 12 is the, pretty much the first time we hear of Abram. It says the call of Abram. There's a call on your life says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. See, see blessing and favor be- begins with not just what, but who you're willing to leave behind. He says, if you want what I got for you, these ragtag people, you can love them, but from over there. Because they're, they're bringing you down. He says, you got to go. And Abram's family was worshiping all kind of stuff. He was the first line. He was the first. Maybe some of you, you're the first. The first to believe in the Lord, the first to go to college, the first to make it, the first to make whatever it is, somebody in here is the first. And so Abram speaks to them, and he's Abram and he says, you gotta go to a land I will show you. Come on, how about that? You ain't even gonna tell me where we're going? Well, when you trust somebody, you don't ask a bunch of questions. Right? You go on a date with somebody for the first time, you're like, where are you taking me? <laughs> How many of y'all, you've been dating somebody a long time? Are you married and y'all in the car and don't know where you're going? <laughs> you in the car? Where are we going? I don't know, I'm hungry. <laughs> well, make a laugh, like, you just trust them so you, you, you're willing to go. And then it says, golden land, I'll show you. And watch this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So he gives the purpose For the reason he's blessing, Abram, I'm blessing you not to relieve your stress. You got to let peace do that. I'm blessing you so that you would be a blessing. That's the point. That's the point. I'm blessing you so that you will be a blessing. And watch this. I will bless those who bless you. Whoa, wait a minute. So, So I'll bless those who bless you. So they don't have to be walking in perfect obedience to be blessed. All they gotta do is bless the one who's walking with me, and I'll bless them too. Do you know you might be sitting next to someone who God has said, if they bless you, I'll bless them. And we're so busy believing for blessing, we don't realize we're sitting next to somebody. That if you just bless them, God would bless you. If God told me, Julian, I will bless those who bless you, you should come in here every Sunday with a 12-count nugget from Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A sauce and overflow. And you should say, God told me that if I bless you, he's gonna bless me. And you should give me those nuggets every single week. Now you are off the hook because God didn't tell me that. But there's somebody in your world he told that to. What if he told it to you? I bless people who bless you. Can you imagine? We got to find the people God is saying this to. You feel a blessing on something, be a blessing. You don't have to give because the Bible says to give to the church, but if this church feels like it's got God's favor on it, you never know what God's telling Pastor Philip in his quiet time. He might be telling Pastor Philip, I'll bless anybody who blesses you. And then watch, then watch, he keeps going. He says, and then I'll curse those who curse you. You ain't even got to custom out. <laughs> Save your energy. You don't need to pronounce a curse over anybody. God's telling Abram, they messing with you, they messing with me. You need to have confidence. The worst thing anybody could ever do is mess with me. Don't you come after my money. Don't you come after my calling. Don't you come after me. Because let me tell you, I got this big old pit bull in heaven that I got. I don't have to be my own security guard. God is protecting me. And then he says this, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, some of us are so worried about God bringing things to you, we don't realize that it's supposed to be through you. See, your theology, God, is you bring it to me, I will give it to them, but no, it is more synchronized than that. It is a one-shot deal. It's not step one, you get it, step two, you give it. No, it's step one and step two blended together, all in one shot, through me to you. See, some of us are so stagnant in our finances because our finances are a lake instead of a river. When Jesus said, Liver, river, rivers, you got one of those two Rivers of living water will flow through you. So if you'd be willing to sacrifice to you for one season, I'm speaking over your life, the next season ain't going to be to you. It's going to be through you. And it's going to keep flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. I'll bless nations through you. So Abraham went. That's all I needed to hear. Genesis chapter 13, Abram takes Lot. Now if you look at Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says leave everybody. Somehow this old janky nephew made it on the journey and now this janky nephew that God said to leave behind is arguing with Abram about the plot of land because God had only give Abram enough at that point of the journey for him. But since he brought somebody he wasn't supposed to bring, now that person was arguing with Abram over the plot of land, and Abram gives Lot the good portion of the land, and he moves all of his sheep to rocks. But there was such a blessing on Abram's life when Abram found himself in the desert with rocks, God blessed the desert and the rocks. I'm telling you right now. Somebody is in here complaining because you're in a season where there's nothing but desert and rocks, but when you're obedient, God will put a blessing on a rock. God will bring his blessing to the desert. I don't need to be in a place where I feel blessed. I can go into a place that feels cursed, and because I showed up, this place is blessed. So, So Abram gave Lot. You can have the good stuff. Because for me, the blessing's not on a place, it's on me. Oh my God, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, the blessing's not on a place, it's on me. I don't need anybody to do nothing. I don't need any. The blessing's not on a place. It's on me. See, somebody's waiting for a place, and God's just saying, why don't you move? Why don't you go on the audition? Why don't you open the business? The blessing's not on a place. You believe in your boss is going to give you a promotion? I created you to be a walking, talking promotion. Everywhere you show up, you get promoted. You listen to me right now. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? I don't need a promotion. I'm a walking, talking promotion. When I show up, promotion. Before I got here, it was demotion. But now that I'm here, it is promotion. But in between demotion and promotion is devotion. I'm devoted to God. See, some of y'all are trying to go to demotion to promotion without devotion. So I give what I'm devoted to. Is this on? Cause I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, this has nothing to do with the tithe. This is the spirit of the Lord on everything you do in your life. I gotta keep going. So then Abram says, cool. I'll I'll take the rocks, the blessing will be on the rocks. I'll take the wilderness. The blessing will be on the wilderness. And so the Lord said to Abram after he did that, after Lot had parted with him, watch this. It says, look around from where you are. It's almost as if God's saying, I like this guy. Look around from where you are to the north and the south and the east and the west. You gave a portion and God gave him the whole, All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. People will be just sneezing up blessing. You just, I'll make them like dust. You gonna have so much, you gonna trigger people's allergies. I'm gonna make them like dust. So that anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk around, check this out. And then we show up in Genesis chapter 14, where Abram wins a battle. Through a tithe and gave the tithe. God's already blessing him. And what happened when Melchizedek showed up? A few things. Melchizedek had communion with Abram. So you, 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 you do whatever the person you're communing with tells you to do. So when you're afraid, all you're doing is having communion with the devil over this portion of fear, and so then you do what he tells you to do because in fear, that's who you are having communion with. See, fear takes relationship in order to be effective. So so before you were afraid, you were listening to the wrong voice. Does that make sense? So then, if you commune with Jesus, you'll do what Jesus says. Does that make sense? So Melchizedek gave him communion, and then Melchizedek blessed him. Wait a minute. Law first mentioned now, because Malachi chapter 3 says, if you tithe, you'll be blessed. Why? Because they were were being disobedient. But the first person, it wasn't, if you tithe, you'll be blessed, because Melchizedek never asked for one. It was because he was blessed, and he had a revelation of the blessing. He responded with a tithe. So there are people in here who are tithing for different reasons. Some people are on the road back from disobedience to obedience, and some people have a revelation about it. And so he says, look, I'm gonna give you a tithe. And he had this encounter with God. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 15, one chapter later after Abraham tithed, God shows up again. I like this God, and says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. God's been talking to Abram the whole time. It's like, he's just taking steps forward in faith. And he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate, Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. See, some of you guys have been tithing and you've been giving and you're like, well, I guess I'll just be this way forever. I'll just be broke forever. And the spirit of the Lord is saying the same thing. You will not be broke. God, I obeyed you. I left that negative relationship and now I guess I'll never be happy. I'll never have anyone to love me. No, no, no. You will not be alone for the rest of your life. See, somebody's walking in obedience and you're telling yourself, I guess this is what Christianity is. Just giving up everything for God. (laughs) And God said, no, this is not Christianity. This is the beginning of Christianity. Didn't I say in my word, I'm the beginning? and the end, I don't say I'm the middle, because sometimes you got to go through some stuff in the middle to find out I'm the beginning and the end. You will not. There's something you said to yourself this week, and the Spirit of the Lord is saying you will not. I'll never be in full-time ministry, I guess. No, you will not stay this way forever. There's a call of God in your life. You said something to yourself this last week. I guess I'm going to have to deal with this situation in court forever. You will not. Spirit of the Lord is trying to tell you something different than what you're telling yourself. That's how you graduate in generosity. When the Spirit of the Lord gets to tell you something different than what you're telling yourself. What are you telling yourself? The Spirit of God wants to tell you something different. So this man will not be your heir you will have a son. Then we find ourselves in Genesis 16, next chapter. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed. To what Sar- Sarah had said. Abram was like, Now, girl, you thinking outside the box. This is why I married you. I like, wait, wait, tell me again. <laughs> what'd you say? What was that? Okay, let me get this right. So, what'd you say you want me to do? Because God did say we we're gonna have a kid. So, you want me to sleep with my secretary and get her pregnant? Because you and I are having a little bit of trouble, you know what I mean? Okay, okay, cool, I get it. He didn't check in with God about that one. (laughs) So he goes and he sleeps with his wife's servant and has a child that is not Isaac but Ishmael. And I'm sure he was overjoyed. Just like many people in this room are overjoyed because you've been given birth, you've given birth in the spirit to an Ishmael dream. And the enemy has you feeling all excited, but it's Ishmael, because it came from your own strength and manipulation. Next chapter. (laughs) This is, I can't make this stuff up. Next chapter, Genesis 17 is Abram's circumcision. Whoa, I'm not trying to be like, ouch is right but yeah I'm not trying to be vulgar but have you noticed Genesis 16 let me try to say this the right way but Abram you know used something to create something God didn't want him to create right so Genesis 16 is Abraham's trip trip Genesis 17 is snip snip Have you ever noticed that the very next chapter God caused pain and anguish in the thing that Abram used to manipulate and try to speed up God's process and skip? So what if circumcision means cut away? What if the very thing God is cut away in this chapter is the thing that you used in the last chapter to manipulate and try to skip the process? Noah got a rainbow. <laughs> if I was Abram, I'm like, yo, we, I, thought, I thought we had, last covenant, last covenant was a rainbow. My covenant is a circumcision. This is the type of covenant that you have to have if you want what you are about to get. Because this covenant was about what Abram was gonna get. The rainbow was about what was never gonna happen again. So the rainbow covenant is you will never be abused like you've been abused. The rainbow covenant is you will never, the rainbow has to do with your past. The circumcision has to do with your future. And you have so many people that aren't living in their future because they keep asking God for a rainbow covenant. God said, I gave you one, but that's for your past. The circumcision is for your future. So stop believing for a rainbow. This is what happened. we fast forward to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. It says Abraham was tested. I thought the Bible says the tithe was a test. But no, this is the real test. Abram did give God that son, Isaac. And sometime later, the Bible says God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, here I am. He said to Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, not a 10%, take your son, your only son, everything you find value in, whom you love, Isaac, the thing I gave you. And I want you to go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Abram is going up a mountain, the mountain of sacrifice, with a knife. But the Bible tells us his son, Isaac, carried the wood. I want you to catch this. Older generation, I want you to catch this. We need to model to the young generation what sacrifice looks like. Because Abraham was in charge of the sacrifice. The young generation was in charge of the fire. Let me just... Let me just say it this way. If you are under 35, I want you to stand on your feet. If you're under 35, I want you to stand on your feet. If you're under 35. For this context, you a millennial. Come on, millennial. Are you? What's the one that's 20, generation what? Generation Z, whatever you are. All right, I'm 42, so I just missed the cut from millennial. But I want you to look around, right? It's not their job to make the sacrifice. It's ours. We keep telling this is why young people don't come to church. It's because we keep telling them what they got to give up. No, we model what we have to give up. The older generation carries the knife, the younger generation carries the wood. The older generation, the older generation is in charge of the sacrifice, the younger generations in charge of the fire. So we need older people making sacrifices while younger people have a fire and a passion for God that cannot be quenched. Young people, y'all carry the fire, we'll make the sacrifice. Do you understand what I'm saying? You go ahead and sit down. Come on, older generation. Don't you feel like sometimes your fire is going out and you're getting tired? You're just blowing on your fire like, whoop, 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 whoop. I'm about to go on vacation because I've been blowing on this thing for six months. The younger generation was responsible for the fire, not the sacrifice. Isaac had the wood. Abraham had the knife. And the Bible says they walked up to the mountain of God, walked up the mountain of God. And, and, and Isaac, excuse me, Abraham put Isaac on the altar. And the Bible says that God showed up out of nowhere and said do not lay a hand on the boy. Don't lay the hand on that dream you think you're about to lay down. Don't lay a hand on it. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you you have not withheld from me, not the 10th, everything. Everything of value to you, you were willing to give. Says Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught. By its horns, he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So the thing you thought you were going to have to give up for God, you don't have to. And then he says, so Abram called that place, the Lord will provide. Abraham found provision on the mountain of sacrifice. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as on the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations will be blessed because you obeyed me. Did you hear what I just said, young people? I want you to stand to your feet one more time. It's okay. It's good for you. And I'm I'm not I'm standing up because I'm preaching. I'm old. I'm old. I'm not in the young generation. But I want you to hear what I just said. O- older people, you can sacrifice and obey God so much so much that God will give the city, the city, the city, the nations to the young generation. So you don't have to worry so much about what's going on in this city and in this nation. All you got to do is make the sacrifices that God is asking you to make. You keep that knife in your hand and you do what God has told you to do. And God will give the young people the city. See, I want you to catch this. I'm up here preaching because you go ahead and sit down. I'm up here preaching. I know your legs get tired because y'all young. (laughs) I'm up here preaching because in 1984, Philip and Holly started a church in Al Casha's house, who's here right now. Thank you for opening up your home to Philip and Holly. And the reason that I didn't start that church, part of the reason is because I was seven. <laughs> but even if I wasn't seven, I didn't have the anointing to climb the mountain. I don't think I would have had it in me to make the sacrifices. So Philip and Holly and Al Cashin, these people who came before us, made the sacrifice. So because they made the sacrifice, God gave them a church. But because we serve the people who made the sacrifice, God's about to give us a city. Did you hear what I just said? If you heard what I just said, you'd be standing on your feet, praising God right now. That is Hollywood, that is business, that is education, that is politics because the older generation climbed the mountain of sacrifice God's about to give the new generation a city the scripture said because you obey God I'm giving the descendants the city the city somebody shout the city now watch this we're in Genesis chapter 22 and we started in Genesis chapter 14 with a tithe and now people are getting cities in Genesis chapter 22 we started with a tithe in Genesis chapter 14 you know sometimes I buy my kids chicken nuggets (laughs) a 10-piece with sweet and sour let me tell you something about McDonald's sweet and sour if I was gonna anoint you and I ran out on anointing oil boop, right on your forehead. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. But sometimes my kids don't want to give me a nugget, the nugget that I provided. Right? So you know what I do? I don't want to argue with them, so I just take a nugget out before I get to them. And now they're happy with nine nuggets because they don't know there used to be 10. You see where I'm going with this? See, somebody, God is taking a nugget out of your finances because he knows it's not that you're not unhappy with nine. You just don't have the maturity to know there used to be 10. So he's going to keep a nugget so that you can learn to give. But watch this. Sometimes I really don't want to argue, and I just say, keep your nugget. I'm cool. Oh, you found some theology about not giving, so you're going to come to church and just do and never give? Okay, keep your nugget. Cool. I tell my kids that. Fine. I don't want to argue about this anymore. Keep your nugget. Because you have no idea what I have access to. You have no idea what I have access to. You ain't got no idea. You can keep your little nugget and you can dip all you want to. You can dip all you want to, but I got something you don't even know about. I got blessing you don't even know about. I got favor you don't even know about. You just be obedient with that little baby tithe you've been complaining about. And watch me take the lid off of financial favor in your life. Watch this. I give a tenth of this, and it's obedience, because I can eat all of it. But when God releases this, I don't give out of obedience. I can't eat all of it. <laughs> I am preaching. Brew, you better start. Do we got to start playing the keys? What is it, C sharp? What? Do I got to start playing a key for you to get this? You better start playing, because they don't get it. Did you hear what I just said? This ain't obedience. I can't eat all of this. See, God's trying to move you from a consumer to a caterer. Woo Whoa! woo, woo, whoa. You about to be in the distribution business. I don't know a broke distributor. Anybody who's a distributor for these buttons that they put on shirts is balling out of control. You can be a distributor for the hair grease that keep the back of your neck from napping up, and that person's rich. You could be a distributor for shoelaces, and you're balling out of control. As soon as you make it to a distributor, I don't care what it is you're distributing, you got the favor of God on you. We in here talking about a tithe? What? We talking about tithing? We got to move past that. We, we, we got to move past that. Watch this. Lord, send me tell you, don't keep your nugget. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. You think it ain't worth it to give it. It ain't worth it to keep it. It ain't worth it. God has too much for you. It ain't worth it. It ain't, it ain't worth it. And if you believe it's an Old Testament concept, then you also believe the windows of heaven opening over your life is an Old Testament concept as well. Watch this. Romans 11:16, 16, and then we're going to close, says this. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. Just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion giving as an offering is holy. So God says... The portion that you give blesses the rest that you kept. It's in the Bible. I, I want to tell you this. It's this important. If you want this anointing, which means divine empowerment for generosity and be a distributor of God's blessing throughout the earth if you want that I want you to raise your hand now hold on that's a lot of hands right that's a lot of hands put your hand down that's too many hands because I want you to pretend this is the altar the mountain of sacrifice and your greatest desire in your heart if you wouldn't walk that thing up here and give it to God don't raise your hand because I'm not asking do you want it I'm asking, are you willing to climb the mountain? The mountain of sacrifice. That's what I'm asking. I'm not asking, do you want the results without, without the obedience? I'm asking, do you want to climb this mountain? Because I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna get ready to climb this mountain. And some of y'all got so much great dreams, I'll climb your mountain too. I'll get some of that. I'm not even an actor and I'll just, I'll be all on Netflix. Whatever mountain I got to climb to get everything that God has for me. At the end of the day, this is a church that doesn't want your 10% and you only got 50% of what God has for you. For what? Why? So now I want you to raise your hand. If you want to climb that mountain of sacrifice in this next season, that begins with Genesis 14, a tithe, but leads to Genesis 22 all so that God can trust you with things that will take the city by storm, I want to speak life over you. Father in heaven, I just pray an anointing and a favor financially, spiritually, over everybody with their hand lifted. Lord, release the favor of God on their life. So as they climb this mountain of sacrifice, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what you will do for them, but it's been released by the Spirit. And they would begin this journey of obedience in Genesis chapter 14, but end up at Genesis chapter 22, where God, you can ask them to give everything, and they would. God, you're getting ready to give everything to the person who doesn't want anything but you. You're getting ready to do that. Send your anointing, Holy Spirit, your favor and your wisdom over business plans, over job interviews, over auditions, over meetings, over over colleges. Send your anointing right now in the name of Jesus. Break the chains of fear in the lives of your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name.